0: Good morning. You guys remember me? It's been a while. I have been very busy vacationing in Florida, and um, we were gone for 10 days, and we had a six-day pass to Disney World, and I got to tell you, in those six days, we only covered a fraction of Disney World because there's four theme parks and only six short days and so every day that was a Disney day we were on a mission and I gotta tell you I was really looking forward to my vacation for a long time months and months planned in advance I was looking forward to the time of relaxation and slowing down and meaningful conversations And every day at Disneyland was like crazy busy, you know? We were like, we were not walking through Disneyland, we were running, you know? And you got to coordinate the fast pass with the regular rides, and then you got to get all the rides in, and so we wanted to get as much ride and character and fun for our buck. I think it's because my wife is from Hong Kong, and... I realized as soon as we landed in Hong Kong, people have no word for walk; they have no definition. Like in the airport, they were just running. If you're going somewhere, you're running, and so we were doing that during the vacation. And on day number two, I had this thought: like, what happened to my vacation? You know, you guys ever come back from vacation and you need a vacation from the vacation? And I think that's kind of how I felt. And I was, by the way, mom and dad treated, and we are—I'm very thankful for that. That trip, but I don't want that to get lost, especially if they're here. I'm scanning the crowd. And so uh, I had this thought like, this is not really the vacation I planned. We're just running around. We're busy. We're distracted. We're too exhausted at the end of the day to have a meaningful conversation. And then it suddenly struck me that that's kind of how we do Christmas, isn't it? Isn't that how we kind of do Christmas? Like, when it's not Christmas, you look forward to the season. You want to slow down. You want to savor what Christmas means. The incarnation of the Son of God. Like, God became man. And, you know, you don't have time for that because you're busy doing the decorations and buying the presents and hosting the meals and cooking the dinner. and, And it's crazy. And you don't get time to slow down. And sometimes you go... Why are we doing Christmas this way? you, know? Well, what we wanted to do during this series, this Advent series, we're calling it a Christmas invitation, and we wanted to give you all an invitation to do Christmas differently and to have a different kind of Christmas. So instead of speeding up when you come to Sundays, we want to give you an invitation to slow down. Instead of saying, hey, work more and do all this stuff, we want to give you an invitation to say, you know realize that when jesus came it was a huge gift god wanted to give you a gift instead of all this distraction like i got all this stuff to do we wanted to say let's take some time on sundays to just focus focus on what's most important and so during this advent season it's all about preparation now we just finished our multiply series last week And we covered all three parts of the first chunk of the book, if you remember. It was about disciple-making, and then it was about the church, and then the last part was about being students of the Word of God. Well, there is the middle section, and we're going to go over that in year number two. And then there is this last part, which is the New Testament, and we're going to go over that in year number three. And the idea is every year we want to build on top of the things we were learning in the year before. So, stuff to look forward to. When we talk about discipleship and multiply, we're serious about it. And so, we've plotted kind of a long-term course. And each year is intentionally building on top of the previous year. But, so, today we're going to start a new series. A Christmas invitation to slow down, to focus to receive the gift that God wants to give us. And it's really preparation for what Christmas is all about. It's really an Advent series. Now let me talk about some of the features of this series. We're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to prepare for Christmas a little bit differently. So here's what we're going to do. The first thing I'm going to do is set my watch. I told the staff I would preach for 25 minutes starting now. (laughs) That's smart, huh? Okay, and so we're going to have more time for communion, and we're going to have more time for worship, okay? So we can really slow down, and we can really uh, savor what Christmas is all about. Now, during communion, we want to do something that's a little bit more reflective, and a little bit more experiential. I'll just walk you through it when it's time to do that, okay? So just expect a little something that's different. Now, Advent, preparation for Christmas, that brings us to a parable of Jesus. Now, before I share the parable, I want to uh, share what Jesus shared about this parable, but not in the gospel that we're going to go over, in a different gospel, but it's the same parable. Jesus actually said about this parable that if you get this parable, you will get all the other parables. But the reverse of that is also true. If you miss this parable, you're going to miss all the other parables afterwards. Let me put it a different way. Jesus is saying, if you miss this teaching, you're going to miss all the other teachings. If you get this teaching, you'll get all the other ones. Okay, that's how important this parable is. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. foot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear Let him hear Okay, I'm just kidding You guys got excited like Wow, Andrew's done I'm not done But there was a point in that There was a point in that My point is Jesus actually gave this teaching And then he just He sat down Or he left, or they left, or he said, okay, stand for closing prayer, and that was it. Isn't that incredible? Like, he didn't care to explain it. Uh, I I was in uh, a homiletics class in seminary where they teach you how to preach. And they go, the first thing you do is you, you, uh, you read the Scripture, and then you explain the Scripture, and then you illustrate the Scripture, and then you apply the Scripture. And it doesn't seem like Jesus was in that class. It seems like he just said the Scripture. I guess the Scripture itself was an illustration. And then he just left, and he sat down, and he didn't care to explain it. Why is that? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm done. It's, it's interesting. Uh, my theory as to why Jesus just walked away and finished it without really applying it or explaining it is he wanted not just a monologue he wanted a dialogue he didn't want people to be passive but he wanted them to be active and interactive he was like throwing out some bait and he wanted people to take it he wanted a relationship well let's keep going And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, you know, because he didn't really explain it, he said, "...to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they're in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand." So, okay, 12, the 12 apostles pursue Jesus. They're like, okay, we heard this parable, and we don't get it. You're talking about dirt. What's that about, right? What do you mean by this? And they're asking him questions. They're like, look, we want some answers. So I'm going to find you in your office hours and ask you, what did you mean by this teaching? But then Jesus says a really curious thing. He says, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to the other, the crowd, it's just a parable. It's just a mystery. Now, let me ask you a question. Why did these twelve get the secrets? And how come the crowd did not get it? Why? 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 How is that even fair? Why is that fair? I guess the only answer is what we got in the 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 teaching and the teaching shows us that the twelve cared enough to ask Jesus questions and to get some answers and the hordes of people just didn't care enough to pursue Jesus and ask their questions let me give you an example Um, Jordan Hey, can you get up here for a second? (laughs) Now, this is a really, really important teaching, okay? This is a really important teaching because this is about who gets the secret of the kingdom of God and who doesn't. Okay? Everyone in this room, I imagine, they want the secret of the kingdom of God. No one was like, oh, I don't care to have the secret. I would like to be part of the hordes that's left out in the dark who don't understand No, people want to know what the secret is. They want the secret. So what is the secret? It seems to me that some people when it comes to the Word of God have a greater something I'd like to call Sticky effect than other people That the Word of God somehow it sticks to them better Jordan, come here for a second, would you? Actually, would you come up here? Jordan, there's something new about you. I can't place it. What is that? What is it? I, what is it? It just—is uh, it the shoes? Is it the... Okay, Jordan. What? What are the? What? Can you name for me in the New Testament the five Gospels? Go. Okay. All right, that was it. the four Gospels. Hurry. Matthew, Mark. Luke and John. I would say, not because he knows the first four Gospels, but because I know Jordan. He is a person, and the Word of God sticks to him. So I just want to illustrate this. Would you just hold this? For some people, I can't really explain it. Is it a certain tenacity? Maybe. Is it just a certain kind of perseverance, like they revere the Word of God? I don't know. Can you raise your arms? The Word of God is just really sticky with them. It sticks. It sticks. So for, for example, on a Sunday morning, that's one place where you get exposure to the Word of God. There's other places like, I hope you're having quiet time where you're reading the Word of God, or you're listening to a podcast, or you're going to your home group. There's exposure to the Word of God. For some people, it has a sticky effect. I can't explain it. They leave Sunday morning and they're driving in the car, maybe they have a family, and they're talking to their spouse about what they heard. Not grading the message, but talking about the content. What are we going to do with it? And then, uh, 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 Sunday evening over dinner, sticky people, they'll remember the message, they'll remember the main idea, and they'll pray about it before the meal. And then maybe on Monday morning when they open up their Bibles, they go back to the passage because there's things they want to meditate on because God's not done. The Word of God isn't done with them. They're sticky. The Word of God just sticks. Now, I think there's other people. And other people, they don't have duct tape when it comes to the Word of God. What they have is more like scotch tape. And it's scotch tape that has been, you know, been touched too much. You know, there's like human oil on it. You know what I'm saying? It just... You can help me out here, right? (laughs) It's just it doesn't stick. Okay, now can you? Now the word of God comes to those people, and it just doesn't have that effect. I don't know why that is. It just falls. Now, when some of you, the rate of you forgetting what I'm saying is faster than I can speak. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, some of you are like I have no idea what you're saying. Like you, you go home and it's like what, what did, what did Pastor? I don't know. <laughs> Monday morning, you have no idea what was talked about on Sunday. You go, you open your your Bible in the morning, and for the whole day you just forget about it. But sticky people. They wrestle with the Word of God. They ask questions. They go, Jesus, what does that mean? They're in home groups. They're they're interacting with it. They're meditating on it. They're soaking on it. They're saying, what does this mean? What is God calling me to do with this Word? And Jesus is like, he who has ears to hear, hear. Okay? do You understand now how this parable is like, okay... If you get this, you get all the other ones. If you drop this one, you're going to drop all the rest. Can we give a hand to the sticky man right here? (laughs) He's going to wear that all day. No. And so to you 12 who care to pursue me, who won't let go of the word until it's produced something in you, who are holding that word in your heart, treasuring it, meditating on it, interacting with it, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those who are just like a nice sermon, what's for lunch? It just, it's lost. It's forgotten. It's not going to produce anything. Well, let's keep on going in the scripture. Now, Jesus is about to explain this parable. And so let's go along with him. Let's explain let here Jesus explain this parable because the twelve carry enough to ask what it meant. There are four different kinds of soil. I'm going to have to hurry through this. There's four different kinds of soil. And you will find all different kinds of soil, not just in the Bay Area, but actually here at church. All four kinds, okay? Now, Jesus says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Okay, the seed, the DNA of the seed is explosive. It is meant to grow. It is meant to thrive. It is meant to take over. It is meant to go places. It wants to bloom. It wants to thrive. That's the Word of God. It's not dormant. It's not inactive. It is an active Word that wants to make changes, that wants to go somewhere. The seed is the Word of God. Verse 12, the ones along the path, we'll call this the pathway soil, are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Jesus describes this soil as seed that's along the path. And of course, pathway soil, it's more hardened, it's more compact. Because people trample on it, so it's more compact. And so, when the seed, um, uh, when it, when it's, when it's tossed onto this soil, it doesn't penetrate beneath the surface. It just stays on top. It gets knocked around by people who trample on it, and then it's vulnerable to the the birds coming in and just picking picking it away for lunch. And and Jesus says the bird is kind of like the evil one who just takes away the word. Now. People with that kind of heart soil condition, I would say in the Bay Area, most people are like that. Would you agree with me? That most people in the Bay Area, they've heard about Jesus Christ. They have access to a Bible. I'm sure they've heard something about him dying and him resurrecting. They probably don't know what it means. They probably don't know that it's a gift. But they have access to it and Yet at the same time the seed is just laying on top of this ground because it's hard. The heart is hard They feel like they know what it says and they don't want it Now this is a a place for me to realize that maybe there are people in our church right now Who are like that kind of soil? You haven't really opened yourself to the good news about Jesus Christ. And I'm just, I just wondering, maybe today will be the first time that you will open your heart and soften your heart to receive good news. That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So whoever would believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is good news. And maybe today will be the first time that you will soften your heart and say, you know, I'm open to being a home for that word. I'm open to being a person that's transformed by that message. Okay, soil number two, verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. So this is the soil where there's just a little bit of soil because there's all these rocks. And so the root doesn't really have much place to go, so it's kind of shallow. And then the the, the sun comes with its scorching heat. And because there's not a lot of moisture, there's not a lot of protection for the seed, it just dries up, it withers, and it dies. And Jesus says, well, that's like many people who hear the gospel. Now, I'm just wondering, do you guys, by a show of hands or by just nodding, do you guys know people who received Jesus with a lot of excitement initially, but then they kind of fell away? You don't have to raise your hands proudly because this is really heartbreaking. But if you can nod your head at me, I think that would just be an acknowledgement that we know a lot of people like that. I can tell you as a pastor that I think about this a lot, and it breaks my heart into a million pieces. I know a lot of people who received it with great joy. And I was so happy because it just seemed that their their spiritual lives were going to be so promising And then something happened, and they just fell away, and it just broke all of our hearts. I'll just give you a couple examples. I don't want to belabor the point, but I used to work in ministry with this one person, and then he married a person who was not Christian. And then she said, well, you have your faith, and I have my atheism. Let's just respect each other. And he said, okay, and they got married. And then after a while, and it often happens, one party is going to compromise and go towards the other one because two become one. They have to become one. And so this time the guy said, Well, 20 years of believing in God. I want to try the other way. And he just left. And I knew this person. He was my roommate. I love this man. My heart breaks into a million pieces when I think about it. There was another person that I used to work in the heart the trenches of ministry with everyone in the church highly esteemed and respected this man and he woke up one day and he said you know i'm at a time in my life where i just always imagined that i would be in a different place i thought i would be married and have kids and i don't have any of that and i just feel like i've been working so hard for god and that's how it repays me i'm not going to work so hard for god anymore and he just left I used to be a youth pastor at this church. And we had a core of youth, and they were following Jesus, and and it was such a pleasure to see them grow. Then they went to college. And right now, like, as a youth pastor, I'm batting 500. Like, half of them fell away. Like, what happened? They were so strong. What happened? Now, okay, all this is... Have I done a good job depressing you? <laughs> I've depressing myself. I, look, let's balance this with Philippians 1.6. Paul says, I am confident that he who began a good work in you is more than able to complete it on the day of Christ. Okay? So, really, it's not, you know, people tried and they failed, but it's God who brings redemption. And for a lot of these people we don't know the last chapter. God still will write the last chapter, and maybe there'll be a lot of prodigal sons and prodigal daughters coming back. But this is what I do want to say. This is the application of this text. Trials will come. That's, that's something that we can take away. If you have a great amount of faith, that great amount of faith is going to be tested. If you have a little amount of faith, that little amount of faith is going to be tested. The sun comes up on all four soils. It beats down on all four soils. If you have a reason to believe today, that reason to believe can be stripped tomorrow. And so my word to all of us is you got to set your roots deep because that sun is coming up. I mean, even we're talking about the word of God. Plug yourself into a Bible study. Find prayer partners. Go deeper, guys. A shallow faith is so vulnerable to the trials of life, just uprooting it. And we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable. Okay, so so my, my point, my application is, the trials are coming. So strengthen that faith that you do have. Verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns... Oh, okay, uh, I remember there was a former pastor that I was talking to and uh, of our church and he told me Andrew Christian layman church struggles with this one the most and I have to say I agree and As for what fell among the thorns. They are those who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Okay, it says the fruit doesn't mature. I think they're still Christian. I, I think they're still, quote-unquote, be saved, but their fruit does not mature, and they're being choked by three things. You know what was really cool? I put these three things together, and it's spelled an acronym, and the acronym was CPR. You guys like that? I'm into acronyms now. CPR In need of desperate rescue Because this thing is suffocating to death It needs some rescue It needs some CPR C stands for cares of the world P Pleasures of life And R for riches that deceive Now I got the deceive part from the gospel of Mark I hope you don't mind if I borrowed from that It it filled it out a little bit more But let me explain this The cares of this world We got a lot of cares Of this world, don't we? We are not lacking for things to be concerned or worried or do We got all sorts of things We got our work. We're cared about employment our marriage our kids if you're married with kids our, our parents Even during the holidays We're busy with all these affairs getting pictures done while the what while the in-laws are still here And we've got so many things and we're worried about so many things and the pursuit of God is like number 17 on the list But there's all these 16 other things that take priority. And they're just pushing out and crowding out the Word of God and time with God and the pursuit of God. P, pleasures of life. Now, this is where we're forgetting that every pleasure of life that you have is actually a gift from God. But we love His gifts so much. You know, we're, we're finding so much joy from the gifts That we neglect and give scraps to the person who gives us and created these gifts for us. And we're forgetting that ultimate joy and pleasure actually comes from the person who gave us these gifts. But we're shortchanging him and saying, We really like your stuff, but we don't really so much like you or make time for you or prioritize you. Riches which deceive. How do riches deceive? Do you know that that your wealth is, like, whispering to you all the time? And it's it's saying things like, if you invest in me with all your life, I will take care of you. Right? It it whispers to you. It deceives you. You you know, I bought over $10,000 of Lehman Brothers. Lehman Brothers lied to me. <laughs> they said they take care of me. Right now, it has is reduced to a total, I think, of 23 cents. Lehman Brothers. They were supposed to take care of me. They, it, it, riches in this life are unreliable. But they're certainly not even existent in the next one. They deceive. Now, now look at... You, now, I'm not saying that there's any Christian life that you can live that's completely divorced of these three things, these three kinds of thorns, the C, the P's, the R's, the cares, the pleasures, the riches. No, those are a part of your life. But we're talking about who is Lord. And we're talking about who gets lordship and priority. If Jesus Christ is, gets first priority of your life, your first love, your first loyalty, then riches become an opportunity for generosity. Then cares become something that you're trusting with Him. You're trusting His sovereignty with these cares and these worries. And there's all these opportunities, slices of life, where I can give God glory. Pleasures are something that I enjoy as gifts from Him, but He is the ultimate pleasure. So my question to you is, who is the Lord of your life? Who gets priority of your life? Who's driving the car Of your life I was doing a little bit of reflecting like do I know someone that made a dramatic shift from the third kind of soil to the fourth kind of soil and I did think of one how many of you guys remember Eric McMullen a lot of heads nodding Eric McMullen was a very faithful leader in our church. We loved this man. And um, not too long ago, God took him back home. But I remember that several weeks before he did that, I had the opportunity to call Eric on the phone and just say hello. And, And in this conversation, I will always remember. You know, he said to me, Pastor Andrew... Two years ago, I was sitting with Alice and we were reading this devotion together. And this devotion talked about fully surrendering your life to God. And I just turned to Al- Alice and said, I don't think I've really done that. And he said to me that she shared something similar. And they were just really struggling with, I don't know, I think it was, he was describing being like the third kind of soil, honestly. It was either the cares or the pleasures or the riches, but they were just kind of choking his life, and they didn't know, really know how to get unstuck from this condition. Well, he said that when the cancer came back, it gave him a clarity and a focus that he never had before. And he said, you know something, Pastor Andrew? I really feel like I have finally become the Christian that I was always meant to be. And he says, it feels so good to say I finally become the man that God has called me to be. And then a couple weeks later after that he died. But before he died, he wrote a series of emails, just reflections from his life. And I wanted to read one to you. It's called The Best Week of Our Lives. I've titled this the best week of our lives, and I mean this upcoming week. We were talking a week or so ago, and it came to us that July was actually the best month of our lives. Think about it. I was diagnosed with metastatic cancer with a rather grim diagnosis. But we've drawn so close to God and so close to each other that we've had some of the most loving, most intimate moments of our lives this past month. Our prayer time has skyrocketed and our time just holding each other and feeling each other's love has also skyrocketed. As we thought back over all the other great months we've had, vacations we've taken, buying a new house together, our honeymoon, we realized that nothing can come close to the love we felt for each other, the love we felt for God, the love we received from all of you. My parting thought for all of you and for us is that there is no reason this next week can't be the best week of all of our lives. Only God knows what's going to happen. Maybe you'll have your prayers answered. Maybe you'll have disaster befall you and it will turn out to be a blessing. I've always known that a cancer diagnosis would have some benefits. It would get me to shape up spiritually. It would change my priorities. It would draw me closer to friends and family. But I never would have believed that it would be better than two weeks in Italy or a honeymoon in Tahiti or a new house in the Berkeley Hills. Would any of you have thought so? And yet, that's... What's happened? What would your life be like if you are struggling with soil number three, the cares of this life, the pleasures of this, of this world, the riches that deceive, and they're choking you? What would it be like for you just to be set free? And here's Eric going, oh my gosh, I never assumed, I never thought for a moment it would be so good. Just the intimacy with God, the intimacy with the other people, just having this, this sense that I finally become the Christian I always meant to become. Verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And in verse 8, it says, yielded a hundredfold. One closing thought and story. John Piper wrote this book, And this whole book is based around this one illustration of a story that happened with his father. His father was pastoring this church and for decades and decades they were ministering in particular to this one man who was always resistant to the Word of God, always rejected what Jesus did on the cross, didn't need it in his life. But then at a very ripe old age, he finally came down the center aisle and gave his life to Jesus and so John Piper's father was holding hands with this man and just leading him to Jesus, at which time he just started to break down and cry. And John Piper says this, what he cried haunted him for the rest of his life. He cried, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. One day we will stand before God and I don't want to be a part of a church where our life testimony is, I've wasted it. I was just choked and choked by other cares, by other pursuits, by, by, by riches. But to say, God, your word and your gospel, I made a home for it. And I responded, and I was all in for your glory. And it it just made me fall in love with you. It It made me love other people. And there's hundreds of people that I was able to touch. That's the kind of story. That's the kind of testimony that we want to give when we stand before God. And so I'm just calling out to you as a pastor. We don't want to live lives full of regret when we stand before the Lord. We want to live lives where we feel like, I, by your grace, was the good and noble soil, God, where your word made a home in my heart, and I pursued you and pursued you. You were number one, and I spent my life for your glory. That's the life we want to live. Would you guys look in your outline? I want to give you a couple moments to reflect. And right now, we've talked about the four different kinds of soil, the pathway soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and lastly, the good and noble soil. And I just want you to be honest before God, and I'm just going to give you like a minute to do this. But if you would take out a pen, would you write down which soil you identify with right now in this season of life? Which soil do you identify with? Which soil describes the condition of your heart today or this past season of time? And just be honest. Now, you don't have to show this, what you write down, to anyone if you don't want to. That's okay. But I'm just going to give you a minute just to do some time with the Holy Spirit and just for Him to show you honestly which one you are. I'm just going to pause. I'm not going to say a word for one minute. You guys just process. You guys just write it down. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. This is what I'd like you to do. I'd like to give you an opportunity to receive prayer if you'd like to receive prayer. What I'd like you to do is right now in your outline, can you tear out that box? It'd be great if I could hear in the next few moments just a lot of tearing. If you can tear out that box, that would be fantastic. And then I want you to keep this. You can use this for one of two purposes— Number one, you can just put this in your pocket. And would you hold on to it as long as you can? You can fold it up so that no one's going to look at it. And it will be a reminder to you to pray. Maybe some of you need to pray desperately. It's like CPR. You need rescue. But there's a second purpose with that sheet of paper. I I want you to take the opportunity to receive prayer. And we're going to have prayer ministry in the first two pews. And if you just sit down and hand one of the prayer leaders just that paper, you can identify yourself as one of the soil, and they'll know just how to pray for you. You don't have to say a word. You just give them the piece of paper. You're being vulnerable. And you're saying, could you please pray for me? You know, as a Christian, I've come to the realization that I just need help. I need prayer. I need help. I need help from Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins. I need help from brothers and sisters who will pray for me. So if we can just level the playing field and say, hey, you guys, we all need help. There's an open invitation to receive help through prayer. Not all of us are soil number four. We have struggles. We have a common struggle. And so please be open to receiving prayer. Now, in a moment, I'm going to lead us in communion. And then during this time, we're just going to do business with God. Maybe some of you haven't talked to God for a long time. And now you can talk to him about the condition and the quality of your heart. I would say to you that maybe today you will make a decision to be the second kind of soil to the fourth or the third kind of soil to the fourth or maybe the soil that was resistant and for the first time you're going to receive the Lord. But I'm just going to allow you to cry out to God in prayer. I would say that for 14 years of my life, I was the third kind of soil. I'm being honest with you. And I remember that the moment when God made me the fourth kind of soil, and it happened with the desperate kind of prayer. Just like, Lord, I'm so sick of being choked. Please free me by your power. And he did but I do think that a decision and a desperate kind of prayer is very appropriate. Maybe some of you want to stay here. You take communion. You can stay here on the steps and do business with God as long as you want. You can stay here even till the service ends and just talk to God about the condition of your heart. Maybe he will say some things back to you. Maybe he will say, I want you to change this or I want you to make this change. He talks to us. So be open to that but that's be open to receive communion and then just have time to do business with God the first two pews are open for prayer this whole steps are open for people who just want to kneel down and take some time with the lord